0: Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Where are all our fathers in the house? Are you here this morning? Yeah? We can give it up for them. We can give them another clap offering. Well, hey, I um, I am excited. Today is Father's Day, and um, you might have heard earlier, but in case you didn't uh, or haven't heard, I'm Pastor Mark. I'm the youth pastor here, and i um, I'm glad that you joined me, especially for this day. Most of you know Pastor Zach and Shelly are over in Israel. Um, They are currently, I believe, in Bethlehem today. Um, So I'm sure they send you greetings this morning and wish they were here. Well, we all wish we were there in uh, Bethlehem. Um, But uh, they they asked me to speak this morning. And as I said a few minutes ago, I am the youth pastor and um, I love my job. Um, I can't tell you how much um, I enjoy uh, working with the youth, with the students of Connection Point Church. Um, They are a joy all of the time, 99% of the time, maybe a little bit less, but they are a joy. Um, I I do um, enjoy working with them. And um, we had an incredible week this last week, um, not this Friday, but um, the week before at camp. And um, the testimonies that came out of that camp, um, I, I don't have time to go through them all. Uh, it, would take, it would take a long time, but um, thank you uh, so much for those of you that lifted us in prayer, up in prayer during that week. Um, as I said, I am the youth pastor, and one of the ways that um, I like to start out all of my um, youth services is I usually like to play a little bit of an icebreaker where I get everybody up and going. Um, I even sometimes call a couple of people up front and embarrass them. Um, in front of the youth, and, and a lot of times about this time is when I get a deer-in-the-headlights look on everybody's face, which is basically what I'm getting right now um, so, from some of you. Um, I decided not to do that because, like I said, I do like my job, so I want to keep it, so we're not going to do that on a Sunday morning, um, but it is Father's Day, and um, I, uh, as a father, I enjoy humor, um, so I found um, an article online, it's, it's titled uh, The Men's Thesaurus, um, you may have heard some of these before, um, but basically, uh, us guys uh, use some phrases quite often, and for you ladies, you may not understand what we mean, and so I'm just going to do some interpretation for the ladies this morning, um, what us guys mean. So this is called the men's thesaurus. Um, for example, when a man says, it would take too long to explain, what he really means is, I have no idea how this works. I, have, I, I just don't know. I don't know. Um when a man says, uh-huh, sure, honey, or yes, dear, what he really means is absolutely nothing. It's just a conditional response. You might as well just, just move on. Um, when a man says, oh, don't fuss, I just cut myself, it's no big deal, what he really means is I probably have a severed limb, but I will bleed to death before I admit I'm hurt, so get over here and help me, please. <laughs> when a man says, I can't find it, what he really means is, it didn't fall into my outstretched arm, so I don't know where it's at. <laughs> when a man says, you look terrific, everybody intake breath there, I, I, I felt that. He means, oh please, don't try on one more outfit, we're late for dinner and I'm starving. <laughs> when a man says, I'm not lost, I know exactly where we are, he means, no one will ever see us alive again. That's my personal, <laughs> personal favorite right there. Um, when a man says, I don't remember saying that, it's because he means anything I may have said six months ago is inadmissible in an argument. And in fact, all past comments become null and void after seven days. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Um, and finally, when a man says, that's not what I meant, what he really means, if something I said can it be interpreted two different ways, and one of those ways makes you sad and angry, I meant the other way. I meant the other way, so... Just a little bit of humor for you today on Father's Day. Um, hope you enjoyed that. It is Father's Day, and I am, I am excited uh, to be able to preach to you this morning. Uh, one of the main reasons I'm excited is um, I am, in fact, this is my first Father's Day. Um, so I am, yes, very, 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 very excited about that. And uh, some of you uh, may know that I became a father this last year for the first time. Um, Pastor Jim last week um, bragged about his kids and showed some pictures. So I'm going to show some pictures this morning of Samuel. He's cute, isn't he? Yeah. He was born uh, this, uh, this past year on October 31st, um, so he is a Halloween baby. Some of you um, may or may not know this, um, he is adopted. Um, uh, we uh, Just to give you a few highlights, I know I've, we've told that story before, but just to give you a few, few highlights of that, um, we, uh, me and my wife, Ashley, have uh, tried for several years and were unsuccessful um, when it came to having kids and just really felt God leading us towards adoption. And um, we filled out all our paperwork and we're waiting on being contacted by a birth mom. And um, in fact, we were right over there in that room, uh, the fireside room on um, Halloween during Pumpkin Palooza here at the church. um, When we got a call um, from the birth agency saying that the mom had chosen us. And then the next thing that they said is that she was in labor in that minute. So um, (laughs) we had excitement and shock all in the same sentence. Um, It was... It was uh, an awesome night. I I joke with people um, that many people have nine months to get ready. We had nine to 10 hours to get ready. Um, You know, there were several thoughts that went through our heads at that time. Um, The first one, me being the guy, the first thought was we're having a baby and we don't have any names picked out. We had no names, nothing. What are we going to call this human? We got to know within the next 10 hours. And um, my wife, Ashley. Uh, she had dressed up that night for Pumpkin Palooza, and uh, she had actually just uh, sprayed her hair pink. Um, and her thought was, um, you want me to go to the hospital and my hair is pink right now. <laughs> so there's a whole sermon there about how a guy thinks and how, to, how a woman thinks, but we won't go into that that, that, that this morning. Um, but but in reality, as time went on, um, one of the other thoughts um, that really went through my um, my brain was really, how do I raise a kid? Um, you know, like I said, nine months versus nine hours, and, and um, it just, it really hit me. And, you know, I looked for the manual on how to raise it, and I haven't found it yet. I've heard it's out there. Um, but honestly, um, I began to realize that in order for me, uh, I heard a noise, I began, to, I began to realize that in order for me to raise Samuel, um, there's really only one way to go about doing that. And that was depending on God, getting on my knees and depending on God um, for guidance. And um, a passage of scripture that I'm sure is very familiar to a lot of you is found in Proverbs 22.6, which says, train up a child in the way that they should go and when they're old, they will not depart from you. And um, you know, this kind of really led me on to a full on searches, search of the scripture of what it means to train up a child in the way that they should go. And I know that there are many examples in scripture um, and many stories and some lessons we can draw from that. But I landed on one um, found in the book of Mark, um, fascinating enough, um, a story of a dad um, who I believe um, effectively raised up his children um, and raised up his child in this story in the way that they should go and honestly became a hero because of it. Um, the lesson in this story really taught me that um, the, the just taught me how to make a difference in the life of the way I've raised up um, or am going to raise up Samuel. And so this morning, um, if you have your Bibles, you haven't got out of practice, uh, turn to uh, Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 24, um, and then we're going to read verses 35 through 43. I think um, if you wouldn't mind standing this morning for the reading of God's word as well, um, there are Bibles in the seat backs um, in front of you. If you have one of those, you can, um, you can, if you don't have a Bible, you can pull that out and Um, follow along with us this morning. So we're going to go ahead and read this story of this uh, Hall of Fame father this morning, Um, starting in verse uh, 21, Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death, Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except for Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talithi kuma, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amusement. And he strictly charged them that no one should, should know this and told them to give her something to eat. You can be seated this morning. These are the very words of God. You know, there, there is a lot going on in this passage of Scripture that, that I read. And, of course, one of the biggest things and one of the things that we focus on a lot is, is the healing, right? Is the healing of Jairus' daughter and how she was um, raised from the dead, how she was healed. Um, there's also a story in the middle there, a section that I didn't read just for the sake of time, of a woman who was cured um, by reaching out and touching Jesus. And um, our focus a lot of time is on that, and I think that that's great because those are healings and God heals. Amen? But today, I want to focus on the father in this story and unless you look closely, you may you may overlook this. But in this story, I think that Jairus made three distinct choices that puts him in this Hall of Fame father's category. He made a decision with these three choices that have had a huge impact on me and really on how I desire to raise Samuel as as my son. And so as fathers, um, if we take these things seriously, I think we have um, a great opportunity to be able to train up our child, in the way, child and children in the way that they should go as well. And so um, the first thing that we see that Jairus did in this passage of Scripture is we must, he made the decision to seek Jesus out. He made the decision to seek Jesus out. In this passage of Scripture, that's exactly what Jairus did. At first glance, it may not seem like that big of a deal, um, but digging a little bit deeper into the background of Jairus shows you how, um, a big, how big of a decision this was for Jairus. His position in this story is extremely important. Jairus was a presiding elder of the synagogue, an assembly that included the whole community of Capernaum. His position made him one of the most prominent men of the congregation. He was not a pastor or a teacher, but he was responsible for the order of service. Now, for those of you who have ever led a service or an event or anything like that, order of service is extremely important. One thing is off, the whole service gets thrown off. So he was important in that regard. He was also the keeper of the sacred books, which were the property of the community. He was, not in a sense, the president of the congregation and the administrative head of the city. Another way of putting it is he was the city manager. Every service he appointed someone to lead in prayer and someone to read the scripture. If there was a visiting rabbi, he would invite him to read from the scriptures and comment on them. We actually saw this um, when when Jesus went to Nazareth. He was invited um, as a visiting rabbi to be brought up front to read that passage of scripture and then he commented on it. So here we see a man with a high social position, a man known among the people a man of prestige and power, but a man who had a desperate, desperate need. And even with all of these special titles and responsibilities, we saw the one thing that he did, he sought Jesus out. He did not send his wife, he did not send a servant, he did not send someone else, he sought Jesus out personally. What an awesome example for us to follow that Jairus set. Fathers, my encouragement to us this morning is we need to follow Jesus, the same responsibility to seek Jesus out. You see, when we take on this role of a father, we also take on the responsibilities of a father that have been given, us, that have been given to us by the Heavenly Father. You know, and this made such an impact on me. I can tell you, I, I actually this morning created a list of, of, of things that I myself am, am working on to seek Jesus out. And I want to share that with you this morning. I know we're practical, obviously, as guys, we need that list. So here's a couple practical ways that I feel like as fathers in this culture and in this generation, we can seek Jesus out. The first one is dedicating my children to God. This will cause us to realize that they are a gift from God. This one is actually kind of I feel like kind of hard. Um, I know for a lot of us and for myself as a dad, I have big visions and dreams of Samuel being 7-1 uh, seven, seven, and dunking the ball um, in the NBA, okay? That's a dream and a vision that I may have. But the reality is he may be called to be a missionary 12, 24 hours away from me. He, he may be called to be a pastor. He may be called to do something completely different. But if he's dedicated to God, then he's in God's hands. This is something as fathers that I feel like we need to take seriously, dedicating our children to God. Secondly, teaching our children to fear the Lord, to turn away from evil, to love righteousness, to hate iniquity, instilling in them God's attitude towards sin, living before God the the way I would have them live before God, being an example ourselves of living before God, protecting them from ungodly influences. Satan is out to destroy them as much as he is you and I. One of the things that I've shared um, in youth before is that um, Satan, the enemy, if you picture heaven and eternity as due due north, Satan and all he wants to do in the life of a student or a teenager is change that compass one degree early on in their life. Because as time goes on and they're headed off this way, and this is true north, by the end of their life, they're gonna be so far away from God that they're not gonna be able to recognize where God is. That's all he wants to do. Fathers, I wanna encourage you, Protect our students this morning and our children this morning from ungodly influences. Um, Fourth, establishing them in the church. If I, as a father, see no need to be in God's house, neither will my children. Instill in them some godly standards, integrity, honesty, character, my father instilled those in me. Integrity is something that my father talked about every day growing up, be a man of integrity teaching them to fear, reverence God in his name, his word and his house, teaching them that they are strangers and pilgrims on this earth. We look for a place called heaven, for that is where citizenship is. And that is where Christ is. I know um, Pastor Zach uh, shared an analogy several months ago. I think it was around the beginning of the year of the rope on the stage. There's a, there's this end of the rope and it goes clear off out the door. That way you can't see the end of it. And on this end of the rope, it's taped and the rest of it has no tape. And, And the analogy is that this tape portion of the rope is um, here. It's our life here. But the rest of that is eternity. What are we living for? Are we teaching our, our kids and our children to live for the tape part or for the rest? Amen. Teaching them that God has that purpose in life. Teaching them that God has that purpose in life. I can tell you as a youth pastor that I encounter a lot of teenagers that don't have a purpose don't know the purpose that God has called them for. Fathers, parents, and general. I, this is something that we as um, followers of Christ need to take teenagers and students aside and talk to them about. It's having a purpose for their life. Instructing them in the importance of salvation, the baptism in water, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Instructing them in the importance of abiding time with God by having family devotions. Teaching, By my life, my actions, and not just my words. Letting my children see that I am committed to God, I am committed to my marriage, and I am committed to them. Fathers, we must be seekers of Him, seekers for wisdom, strength, guidance for the sake of the family. Let your children know that you are not ashamed of the gospel, nor of the God of the gospel. Lead them to God, walk with them in God, experience God together don't make out don't miss out on making those kind of memories I can tell you that one of my favorite memories so far of uh, my son Samuel is when we were able to bring him up front and dedicate him to God that was one of the, the most powerful things and and I can also tell you that the three things that I'm excited about with Samuel is when he commits his heart to Christ for the first time when he's baptized in water and when he receives the Holy Spirit. Those are things that I look forward to as a dad. And fathers, I wanna encourage you, don't miss out on making those memories. Let's train up our children and instruct them in those areas. Amen? Amen. Amen. The second choice uh, that we see that Jairus made um, is that to become a Hall of Fame father like I believe he did, we must give authority, we must give Jesus authority in our homes. We must give Jesus authority in our homes. In those, in, in those days, the Jewish leaders in various places had some very negative things to say about Christ. Jesus was not popular back in that day, um, but Jairus would not allow his family to be denied the benefit of Jesus because of what others said. He would not allow his family to be denied the benefit of Jesus. Jairus would not be influenced by the bias of others. He was willing to do, to do what he knew was right he invited Jesus into his house. The simple application for me was asking the question, am I creating a Christian home where Christ abides? There are a couple of passages of scripture that, re, that point to the importance of this. Psalms 127, one, unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And then Joshua twenty four fifteen. perhaps one of my favorite passages of scripture in the Bible, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Fathers, are we the head of the home? We know we should be the head of home, but who is the head of us? Christ should be the head of us. First Corinthians 11.3 says this, But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. When Christ entered Jairus' home, Jesus chose who would remain and who would leave. I'd never thought of that before. I'd never thought about that before. Jesus allowed no one to enter that house except the parents of the child, James, John and Peter. He, in fact, kicked everybody else out of the home. Jairus, in that moment, gave authority to Jesus in his home. This brings up another question today. Fathers, are we allowing Christ to bring into our homes what he desires to be there and remove what he does not desire to be there? Are we giving Christ that authority in our homes? One of the ways that I see, um, and as this is once again as a youth pastor, in our modern culture, giving away authority to someone else other than Christ is through social media and through media. As a youth pastor, um, I can tell you that for better or for worse, uh, media has a powerful influence on the lives of our kids and on the lives of our students. And not all media is bad. In fact, um, I've been posting a lot this week. We've, um, they, they um, can't put on some YouTube videos that um, are devotionals every day. So I've been using it this week. Not all media is bad, but media does send, uh, but some media does send that nonstop communication, delivering its voice through television, movies, internet, music, magazines, books, computers, smartphones, tablets, and et cetera. Um, and it's almost impossible to control. And I want to encourage you this morning, if your kids are old enough to use media, to don't give up on this point. It's truly powerful. It's truly shaping the lives of our children and our students. Don't give up. Don't bail out. There can be media-safe homes where Christ is welcome. Amen? There can be media-safe homes where Christ is welcome. John Burns, who's a Christian author and, uh, and a youth specialist, he lays out a, a, a five-step plan, five plan or five um, ideas of how we can have media-safe Christian homes, and I want to share those with you this morning. The first one is watch, listen, and read. Watch, listen, and read. Creating a media-safe home requires you to become a student of the culture. The easiest way to get a handle on what, you're, on, on, on what media your kids are consuming is to watch what they la- watch Listen to what they listen to and read what they read. Look for every opportunity to ask and learn from your kids. Number two, evaluate. Evaluate everything that you see and hear with your kids. Talk it over with them. Um, I can't tell you how many times that um, having a conversation with a student about uh, about what they're watching and listening to um, turns into a positive. Examining our own behavior is the third thing. Examining our own behavior. Too many parents want their kids to make good decisions and good media choices, but we aren't willing ourselves to make those good media decisions. It starts with us, we need to be that example. Discuss and listen, any we can truly dialogue with our kids and about media use and influence, it is better than a lecture or a sermon we could ever deliver to them. I um, have a saying that I use a lot to um, our student um, leadership, um, I should say, not our student leadership, our youth leaders, Um, one of the things that I say to them is um, we have to be willing to go to their island before they're willing to come to ours and basically what that means is I have to be able to understand what a student is thinking and where they're coming from before they're going to allow me to have influence on them and I think that the same thing applies to us to our kids we have to be willing to understand and know where they're coming from before we can have that open and clear dialogue and I want to encourage you to take some time and do that number five develop clear expectations Working together with our teens to come up with clearly expressed expectations about media consumption and the use of devices that deliver media. As technology changes rapidly, you'll need to revisit the expectation from time to time. Of course, I want to encourage you this morning. I know I focused on media and I think it's because it's such a huge thing in our culture. It really is. It influences our kids and um, our children. Even at an early age, it does. Um, It's not just teenagers. Um, I know that's all I focused on with this point, but my hope is tonight that when we get home or later this afternoon, if there's anything in our house, parents, fathers, that is hindering Christ from having that authority, we will run it out of our house. We need to give him authority in our homes. Amen? The third choice uh, this morning that we see that Jairus made was to become a Hall of Fame father. He was not afraid to express his love toward his children. And uh, I, I, this can be a very tough one for us guys sometimes. We're not the expressionful, give me a hug, type um, guys. But um, I, I, I share this this morning because um, I think it's important for our kids to hear those words and to know that. And it's words, but it's also actions. When you think about this this passage of scripture, what took Jairus from his daughter's side to seek out a Jewish teacher? What compelled him to fall at Jesus' feet and cry out, I beg you, please come. What would cause a man to forget his place in society and what others might say? One word, love. He loved his daughter, and this love said, I do what I have to do, go where I have to go to see that you're made whole. Listen, I can tell you that there is not a day that went by that this girl didn't, didn't know that I'm alive today because of my daddy's love for me. I'm alive today because of my daddy's love for me. Perhaps she grew to have children. Those grandchildren heard the story of how grandpa sought a man and put his reputation on the line. How their mother was brought back to life because of a daddy's love for his child. Her life, her living as an example of the power of God. Isn't that an amazing thought? that she lived her whole life knowing that Jesus, that her dad demonstrated his love and he sought Jesus out. Hear me this morning, love is not getting, I'm not trying to say that love is giving all, everything that our children ask for to them. It's not a closet full of toys or a drawer full of clothes. It's not even a large allowance. But to me, love is sitting that child down, looking in the, in the eye and saying, we are Christians. We serve Jesus. And because of that, there are some things I will allow and some things that we will not allow, things we will do and not do. You may not understand, but I do it because I love you. And I want you to know the Jesus that I know. I want you to serve the Jesus that I know. I want you to have that relationship with the Jesus that I know. Today is Father's Day. And I I love Father's Day because it gives us an opportunity to challenge ourselves. And as I close today, I think that I can say when all life shakes down, I believe I can look back and smile in my heart knowing I was a successful father when I can say that I sought Jesus out with my whole heart, that I gave Jesus authority in my home to clear out anything that was unnecessary, and when I expressed my love toward my children. I believe nothing touches my heart more, and I believe the heart of God more than a man determined to raise up a child and a family in the way that they should go. I believe that God can easily relate to a man who faithfully loves his wife and his children. Amen. Amen. That man is blessed. That man is a hero to his children. As I close today, I know today has been short. I wanted to get you fathers out early. So, um, but I do have a couple of uh, challenges for you this morning. So if we could take an opportunity to stand this morning as I close. Earlier during worship. Um, one of the things I felt like God was saying to me is that um, there may be um, some people in this room, and not just, not just necessarily fathers, but that have some burdens, and that that powerful name of Jesus wants to relieve those burdens today. And um, what a great day to make a commitment to Christ for the first time on Father's Day. So I just want to um, ask you, and with every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, um, Today is a day for those of you in this room who have never made that commitment to Christ to have an opportunity to ask Jesus into your heart for the first time. What a day to invite him into your heart. And I just just want, I I don't think I can move on with a service without asking this question. Do you want that relationship with Jesus? Do you wanna invite him into your heart? Do you want those burdens to fall away today? Do you want those chains to be broken today? And if you've never made that commitment to Christ, I'm just gonna ask you as every head's bowed and every eyes closed in this place to raise your hand so that we can see it. We're not doing this so that we can embarrass you, but we just, we just wanna know if there's anybody in this room today that would like to make a commitment to Christ, maybe you've never invited him into your heart. If, I could, if you could raise your hand real high so that I could see it. I see that hand over there on my left. Well, we're gonna go ahead and um, play a song here. And as um, the worship team begins to play, I wanna invite um, our prayer team to come up over here to this side. And um, the person that raised their hand, we wanna invite you to, at this time, take a step out. Um, we're not doing this, once again, to embarrass you or anything like that, but we wanna take you into another room and talk with you about Jesus and give you a Bible. So as they step out, could we, could we give them an encouragement this morning? Amen. What an awesome, awesome thing. Secondly, as we sing this song, I I do just wanna challenge um, not only fathers, but parents as well Um, with this message. I know it's a short message, but I think there's some things here that maybe some of us need to deal with. Are we seeking Jesus out? Are we giving him authority? in our home and are we expressing our love to our children? The altars are open. If if that's something that you feel like you want prayer for or um, you just wanna make an altar where you're at, as the worship team leads us, I wanna encourage you to do that this morning.